Hello everybody and welcome to Eliminated, a Royal Rumble podcast. And today we are going to talk about the 1990 Royal Rumble. Jim? What's going on? And we have a special guest joining us. This is our first episode with a guest. Uh, please welcome John Harder. How you doing, Bill? And how you doing, Jim Boy? It has been a quite a while, my friend. Um, happy to be on board doing this very special eliminated podcast. I'm very excited. Now, John, let me ask you this. And before I start, <laughs> before I start, I do want to apologize to people for last week towards the end. It was a bunch of audio problems. Um, so I just want to apologize for that real quick. John, you had mentioned that this Royal Rumble holds a special place in your heart. And can you tell us why? Um, yeah, I can. It, it, it's actually a very intriguing story on this. Um, as a kid, you know, my, my father was one of the biggest wrestling fans I've ever met in my life. And he got me really intrigued in the world of wrestling. And as a kid, he used to tape everything, every VHS in my house that I had a long time. Majority was wrestling compilations of like different events, different pay-per-views, like random Saturday night main events. But the first tape I ever saw of my father that he actually had a compilation was the 1990 Royal Rumble. And I remember as a kid finding that, popping it in, it's five or six years old, uh, and just watching it backwards and forwards, front and back, the entire event. And for me, this event is just very special because it's a personal wrestling event that I ever saw that my father had. And uh, we watched it once in a blue moon, me and my old man, over the years. And uh, it's just very near and dear to the point that I actually would prefer to watch the VHS version of the Royal Rumble, which I did do, instead <laughs> of instead of watching the network version, just because the little the little things here and there that I just I just love the old school VHS feel. Mm -hmm. But uh, just a reminder of my old man, and it's just something special. The '90 Royal Rumble. That's so great. So you watched the VHS version. I watched the DVD <laughs> version. Bill probably watched the WWE Network version. I, I, I did just to see if there was any difference from the Coliseum video, and there wasn't. Now, this is mostly a discussion of the actual Royal Rumble match, but I do have a question. On mine, there's a match, uh, the big boss man versus Jim Duggan, and on my DVD, the boss man comes out to his corporate song. Really? Oh, my mm -hmm. goodness. He came out to Jive Soul Bro on... Uh... Him the Jive Soul Bro on the VHS because he's again slick man both him and Akeem and for some reason Boss Man <laughs> a, a straight up a straight up police officer you know from Cobb County comes out the Jive Soul Bro nothing better than that it's it's unbelievable yeah what about the WWE Network version did you get a chance to see what the Boss Man's entrance was there I do believe it was Jive Soul Bro <laughs> okay so I'm the only weirdo mm -hmm. that got the corporate theme all right Bill let me start things off with telling us what's going on in the wrestling world at this time, both in the WWE slash WWF and in other territories. All Break right. it down for us. Break it down. Well, Zeus is gone. That's the oh. first thing. Uh, they finished the no-holds-barred storyline with the no-holds-barred cage match, which was on pay-per-view. And Hulk Hogan, well... If you figure, it's Hulk Hogan. He beats Zeus in a steel cage tag team match with Brutus Beefcake to defeat Zeus and Randy Savage. So Zeus is gone. He is no more. Um, Andre the Giant and Haku recently defeat Demolition to become the new tag team champions in a one-sided match. 
and Jake the Snake Roberts returns from a serious neck injury, and he's going to take the million-dollar belt from Ted DiBiase. That's what's going into it for WWF. Um, the champion's there. Hulk Hogan is the cha- the heavyweight champion, Ultimate Warrior, Intercontinental Champion, and Andre the Giant and Haku are the tag team champions. Uh, this is the last time we're going to mention the AWA, Jim, because, oh, they, it's a sad day. <laughs> because <laughs> they close in 1991. So uh, Larry Zabisco is the AWA champion, heavyweight champion, going into this show. <laughs> The destruction crew of Wayne Bloom and Mike Enos are the tag team champions. (laughs) Oh, boy. And the women's champion... Which I didn't even know there was a women's top title until the show existed. ...is Candy Devine. I like that name. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Interesting. I didn't even realize she was part of the AWA at that point. That's very... That's a hell of a name. Yeah, that's a pretty cool name. (laughs) Um, now at this point, uh, it's sort of still Jim Crockett promotions, but WCW starts to get used here a, a bit. Uh, anyone anyway, want to take a guess who their world champion is? Uh, Ric Flair. Yes. Yeah, it's Ric Flair. <laughs> I, mean, I think that's fair. <laughs> I, I had to throw that one out as a, a joke. But yes, Ric Flair is their world champion. Arn Anderson is their world television champion. Lex Luger is their U.S. champion. The Steiner brothers are the world tag team champions. And at this moment, the AWA, or I'm sorry, not the AWA, the United States tag team titles are vacant. So. All right, so then. Sorry. No, I was just saying that's how the title is. So during this Rumble event as a whole, we I did feel like there was a focus on the Royal Rumble. I feel like they kind of go, the company goes in and out in regards to this. Bill, mm-hmm. we've seen somewhere like it's a total afterthought. This one, how did you feel? The match itself, I mean, of course. The match itself, I, I mean, I've seen the match before, and it is so good. It really is. Um the way it's booked is done mm-hmm. well. Which we'll get to. Mm-hmm. But what I mean is, like, we're back at the... We get the promos in the back. Oh, gosh. There's so many. <laughs> there, there are. But also, we learn about certain numbers. Mm. Yes. John, we were talking on previous episodes about, do we like when numbers certain numbers are announced versus when you have no knowledge of anyone's numbers what is your preference of the two i love i especially with the 90 rumble in particular i love the fact of the little things where certain numbers were drawn you find out what numbers um you know and, and i don't want to jump forward but like if you go back to the 92 rumble especially the one on the network not the, you know the original not the original airing mm-hmm. when uh they had the coliseum air video exclusive where mm-hmm. flair's in the locker room and you have flair all oh, number three and then when you go to see bobby heenan have that crazy reaction it's like oh geez like that kind of spoiled things a little bit yeah. but but if you go to 90 and i love you know the little story with dibiase uh, the million dollar man ted dibiase because the year before he bought number 30 so then this year, because they added a little bit of a story intrigue, which is very rare nowadays, you don't see that as much, where 
you have DiBiase furious because they had extra security backstage, and he basically drew number one, and he's stuck, and he's got nothing he can do about it. So he's number one in the Rumble. And to me, I love that little story, which is like, it makes the event feel important, it makes the match feel important, and most of all, it shows that anything can happen in the Royal Rumble. So, uh, I love that little story, especially with DiBiase, but in other situations it doesn't really fit. And and I just want to add on real quick to what John was saying, and Jim, I know we had this conversation, and I had said there are times where it makes sense, and there are other times where it doesn't. This one really makes sense <laughs> right right so do you guys have any notes for that you want to bring up real quick for the any of these interviews because i have a few i have <laughs> first of i have on my, my note warrior what the fuck is he talking about <laughs> you just you just go with it you just go with uh, it, <laughs> you see where it goes. Uh, i have i have hockey talk man who hopes that he's number one? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I get demolition are idiots because they're already fighting. And again, for those that missed the previous episode, I am not at all demolition fans. Oh uh, man, ah, oh, demolitions, demolitions, my my go to man. Oh, uh, John, we're gonna have a problem. <laughs> uh, I will say the one promo that I really love, uh, Jim, is. Uh, yeah. The Dusty Rhodes promo, where he's sitting mm. back, he's just going on the rant, and then all of a sudden Sapphire just pops in. We're gonna kick some Randy Savage booty, <laughs> and I just go, "Oh my goodness, Sapphire, something else." I forgot about Sapphire until I saw him <laughs> pop in there. Um, okay, some of my favorites: Jimmy Snuka talking about fighting on the island, swimming, like fishing with other people, <laughs> and they have fights while they're fishing. Uh, Tito Santana say he's got a lot of friends in the WWF. <laughs> but my favorite one is Hercules because, oh God, we should never oh. give Hercules a mic because he says he's going to win the Rumble Royal today. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I love that. Oh, that, that's old school Herc right there. Hercules yeah. is just on his own. He's on his own level right I there. I don't care who you are. I'm going to win this Rumble Royal today. I don't know what your issue is, Bill, with Tito having friends. I mean, I would believe Tito has a lot of friends. He seems like a nice guy. <laughs> yeah, but the way he says it is like, I've got a lot of friends here at WWF, but once I hit the ring, friendship is over. Tito's intended coming out the winner. Arriba! Okay, I'll put that as a soundbite. That's your Tito Santana impersonation. Yeah, All right, it's the- not as good as Tito Santa. Tito Santa, oh god, the first big mistake on this show's history. (laughs) Christmas is coming, guys, Ariba. Okay, (laughs) this rumble is, they're coming out in two-minute intervals, Mm -hmm. which means our interview intervals will be ten minutes. Yes. Uh, They do mention that they have to be thrown over the top. Mm -hmm. What does the winner get? Again, absolutely nothing. Nothing. Managers are allowed, so they've gone back against a rule that they had set last year, I believe it was, where managers were not allowed. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that, Bill? Um, I actually find it all right for this year um, because I have a couple notes about managers, and we'll get to those later. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't mind, especially with DiBiase. Right. And then the last thing I have, and I want to get you both of your thoughts on this before we go into the Rumble, um, your announcers are 
Tony Schiavone and Jesse Ventura. Oh man, I, I I'm just gonna say it, and then this is just my opinion. My opinion. I loved Tony Schiavone and Jesse Ventura together. I mean, it goes back to the day, you know, for me, you know, WCW '93 uh, when it was Tony and Jesse handling the commentary. Uh, Beach Blast '93 in particular, I love the commentary there. Um, Royal Rumble '90. You know, obviously the standard always was Gorilla Monsoon and Jesse mm-hmm. the Body at that point. But when you have Tony Schiavone in there, I mean, SummerSlam 89, they did stuff together. But to me, I love the commentary team here with Schiavone and Jesse the Body. And there's a little point when we first when we start talking about the Rumble where Tony Schiavone gave me one of the greatest calls I've never forgotten as a kid. That I, to this day, me and my friends joke around about it and we do it in the Schiavone voice. So uh, overall, I loved it. I thought Schiavone was just something different. He wasn't the standard, you know, WWE commentator. He wasn't Vince McMahon. He wasn't Gorilla Monsoon. He brought something different to the table. I loved it. I absolutely loved Tony and, and Jesse together. I just want uh, oh, good bell. No, I was going to point first. out real quick, Jesse's out or outfit for this event is so <laughs> good because he's got the Mickey Mouse ears, he's got Mickey Mouse sweater, and he even bought Tony a goofy hat. What what a great partner to have. <laughs> <laughs> being considerate. Meanwhile, he, if it was Gorilla, he'd go and say he ate too many hot dogs. So at least Tony got the good side of it, you know. <laughs> yeah. For me, it's a little weird. So I'm like you two. Well, John, you said like this was your one of your first events that you actually watched. I don't become a wrestling fan until like 1993-1994. So my whole life has most, mostly been associating Tony Schiavone with WCW. So it did feel weird for whatever reason to me having him do this whole show, like, you know, half of this whole show. Mm-hmm. But All right, here we go. Let's start, Bill. All right, let's get going. Entries one through five. Number one, as mentioned, Ted DiBiase. Number two, Coco Beware. Number three, Marty Jannetty. Number four, Jake Roberts. And number five, Randy Savage. Okay, and I have in this segment, eliminated was Coco Beware and Marty Jannetty. Uh, let's start the discussion off with John. You know, uh, obviously, first things first, DiBiase coming in, automatically a house of fire. Not necessarily the greatest strategy, but as you've come to see with Ted DiBiase over the years, a man with incredible wrestling endurance. So he, he's a well-fit, well-perfectly-trained competitor. He's going guns a-blazing. Coco, in and out. I love Coco Beware to death. He was out. But Marty Jannetty coming in and getting tossed right after he got entered, like about a minute in, gave me the greatest call that I just brought up a minute ago. <laughs> Marty runs off, goes in, DiBiase takes him out, and all of a sudden you hear Shivani go, oh, no! <laughs> and, and literally, that is the greatest Shivani call I've ever heard in my life. Me and my friends still quote it to this day. And, you know, DiBiase's just a house of fire. And then all of a sudden, Jake the Snake comes out, the mood changes, and you get storytelling that's been building up for months, continuing in the Rumble. Fantastic. I, I just I love the first five entrants in this match. It's just fantastic television. Now, I have a question for, and again, it could be, the answer could be different because we all watch it on a different platform. Mm-hmm. Is Coco Beware, and maybe this is more for you, Bill, mm-hmm. is Coco Beware the first person in this podcast history to get music? Um, oh, you mean edited? Well, no, uh, he had, he, he he had, had music, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Well, he, yeah. did, he did, 
Like, he came out to uh, Bird, Bird, Bird. Yep. And then the next one was Marty Jannetty. And Jannetty came out to the Rockers theme. That's fine, but then that, if this is the case, that makes him second. My, my (laughs) thing is, is it, did we have music on 88 and 89, is what I'm asking. And I want to say the answer is no. Yeah, I don't think there was music for, I don't think there was theme music for uh, anybody in the first couple rumbles. And then 90 was the first real integration, and it wasn't a lot of it. There's only a few. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, the only the only time I remember for '89 was when Axe and Smash came out because they were the first two. That's right. Okay. Oh God, they're the ones that get that. They get honor. the dubious. <laughs> God dubious damn it. Honor. <laughs> All right. Uh, but no, I had that in my notes that we had some music in between entries. But some not, which is right. weird. Which is weird. Um, I want I want to tag on to what John was saying with Tony Schiavone commentary moments when um the countdown comes and they get to the end for jake roberts and the first note plays of robert's theme and the whole arena goes i think there is my favorite tony shivani moment where he's like oh my god (laughs) yes I think you guys are making me appreciate Tony Schiavone more than I did going into this recording. <laughs> <laughs> so underrated. I've always felt that. But <laughs> It's so great every time they hear it because it's like he gets excited, at least in this moment, for a legit reason. Mm-hmm. It's not like other times <laughs> where other announcers in general. You you don't know if Marty Jannetty was Tony Schiavone's current favorite wrestler well, at that that's time. that's true, too. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is true. Also, to kind of go back to Coco real quick, you said he came out to see a Bird, Bird, Bird. Well, for the DVD, he came out to Pile Driver. <laughs> I love that song to death, but... No. But um, well, I don't know. Why would you change it? Like, this bird... See, whenever they do something like that, it makes me wonder... If the theme song is close to a too close to sounding like a real song, which, some, makes, me, which makes me think, like, if you when it gets to it, like, I honestly believe they didn't have the royalty rights, and there's certain songs I know for a long time, you know, at least with DVD releases like Demolition, you had you didn't have the Demolition actual song, you had like either just a um, just a, a layer underneath for a different theme song, and then on the network, like SummerSlam '90, I went to check it out, and they had they had Rick Derringer Demolition, <laughs> so it, it just depends on the variation at the time. Now with the network. You're going to have the opportunity to have more theme songs. Like, Giant Soul Bros, same thing, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and I guess I have to think back that this DVD set that I'm watching came out in, I believe, 2007. So a lot's happened since 2007, probably, in regards to rights. Yeah. Like, if they were to re-release this again, I'm curious what changes would have been made. Uh, at one point, DiBiase and Jake fight to the floor. Mm-hmm. And then I also have... Again, Bill, I'm curious about this for you. Is it weird to see Savage and DiBiase team up? Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> when, like, the previous year and a half before that, they were killing each other in matches? Oh my god, yes. It's so weird. Man, that's like, that's like the weirdest thing to me is always with the coronation of uh, Macho King. And then you see DiBiase spend all this money on a scepter. And I just go like... Oh my goodness! Like, did, has the past year and a half doesn't matter? And I'm like, wow! Like, it's just a different, it's a different world, and it's mind blown. Like, mm-hmm. I feel you on that, Bill, hundred mm-hmm. <laughs> percent. 
And I guess for me, the other thing I noticed is they didn't do what I kind of questioned them last year on, how I don't think any of them pushed that they're going to be the king of the Royal Rumble. No, they didn't. Because last year, my problem, if you remember, was you're the king of the Royal Rumble, but there was a match that had, I believe, was King Harley Race. Mm -hmm. How do you have two kings? Yeah. That's a good point. So they luckily were like, someone back there was probably like, you know what? That's a good point. We shouldn't have two kings. And they dropped it. Yeah. By the way, John, real quick, since uh, we have some extra time here, uh, you still are going to, you're still doing Ace, right? American Championship Entertainment? Uh, at this point, right. I believe, uh, not really, no. I, I really stepping aside. I'm just, you know, do trying you, to find Doing your own stuff, though, for sure. Yeah, I did I'm Project Diverge, you know, the footage. It's, it's been a long process. One day I'm going to get into the story, and it's going to be unreal. But Project Diverge is currently being edited as we speak. Uh, a lot of different changes has happened. Uh, ProjectDiverge.com for that. You know, just Great. the entire saga. But thanks for asking. I'm, honestly, at this point, I'm just taking a step back from wrestling. This is like the first real wrestling thing I've done in, in like five, six months. So this is exciting for me. I'm happy that I'm here with you guys doing this. Wonderful. Thank you. We're honored to have you as yes. the first guest on Eliminated. Yes, the first one. Time. Um, so I think we're going to probably have the clock here in a little bit. Do you guys have anything else that you want to bring up on this section while we have some extra time? Um, You know, I, I was thinking about uh, there was one quote or one quote they said where like after Savage comes in, I think it's Jesse who's like, this is the first time DiBiase's had a break all day in the Royal Rumble. And it's like, you know, we're only at number five. Oh, I think he said something even more ridiculous later on in this show So yeah, that I have true. written down. Um, yeah, so like I said, it to me it's weird. I feel like it had to have been weird to see Savage and DiBiase team up because there's – has there been at this point any real – storyline reason other than oh they're both bad guys now <laughs> no i think it's honestly been just a case of you know and honestly like i mentioned before this this whole scepter thing but i think it's just bad guys being bad guys and there's not really a reason other than just uh to team up at this point there's not really been anything other than that and i think uh you know that's just i guess simple 1990s wwf logic with uh mm -hmm. simple storytelling keeping it simple for the kids they're both evil now so let's team up together and Again, as an adult, it drives you nuts, but as a kid, it's sim keep it simple, I guess. That's the way I, I, I kind of look at it. Yeah, That's fine. That's fine. I mean, trust me, they're going to get more complicated probably every episode that we do of this <laughs> podcast. Because you know what, John, I've, I've said that I, I, I feel like this is an evaluation podcast because that's really what I'm personally doing. I'm looking to see every time rules change, do they stay consistent I mean, there's one, there's an instance that's going to happen later on that I think breaks the entire Rumble rules, where a certain person goes to the hospital, but is still allowed <laughs> to come back and be in the Rumble. So well, that, that, that Rumble, that Rumble is a, a different beast in itself, man. <laughs> so, so oh my of, goodness, there's a lot of evaluation going on. But, uh, so what, while we have some extra time, because I, I guess less happened in this section than I thought. Let's go over some of the other results that happened on this show. Oh, yeah. yes. All right. Uh, the Bushwhackers defeated the Rougeau brothers. The stars of last year's Rumble, in yes. my opinion. Um, oh, actually. Nine, eight, 
Leave because I don't hear it. It's all it's all central imagery. There we go. Oh, there we go. Okay. <laughs> all right. Sorry about that. Um, do you want me to go through the rest of the results or go six? No, let's, let's let's go to the next go to the next. All one. right. Next set six through ten. Six is Roddy Piper. Seven, the Warlord. Eight, Bret Hart. Nine, Bad News Brown. And ten, Dusty Rhodes. All right. In this section, I have eliminated Jake Roberts and Randy Savage. Uh, and the first thing I'm going to bring up here is that Jesse Ventura does mention about the manager's rule and that the managers could not be, uh, the, the managers weren't allowed previously. So at this time, I'd like to give a round of applause for consistency. Yay! Uh, <laughs> Bill, what do you got for this section? Well, the first thing that I got is this crowd is hot. I mean, this crowd is into this match. Even from the very beginning, they are into this match. Um, I really like that. And then the other thing that I had was Jake the Snake keeps trying to hit the DDT in this match, like over the years. It never works. <laughs> It's like, what are you going to do after you drop the guy on his head? Seriously. <laughs> so are you saying that you think that he's tried it over many years and you're certain that he's never hit the DDT? Well, I don't... Well, 89, he got his ass kicked by Andre the Giant. Agreed. Um, I'm, one, I'm trying to remember if he even got it in in 88. No, I don't think he did. Yeah, I don't no. think he did. And it's weird for the whole DDT philosophy in the Rumble anyway, because even if you hit it, and that's the, that's the move, you know, in, in, in wrestling at that point, especially during this era, that's the move. So imagine hitting it and then realizing, oh, Christ, I got to pick up dead weight, mm-hmm. and especially with the man meat, you know, muscles of this era, and try to lift them over the top rope. Like, it's... It, 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 it's a it's a weird psychology situation and from from a from a perspective in ring, but regardless, he's never hit it. and It's just very weird. But I will say that um, you know Jake the Snake getting eliminated quick. It just kept building story all up to WrestleMania six. And if you really look at this, especially with this Rumble, and you start seeing little shades of this throughout the period, you know this is really starting to build certain matches for WrestleMania six, mm-hmm. and. And seeing Randy Savage get eliminated by the American Dream, that it does the road, baby. And he just gets, gets tossed out. That just keeps building on the road because earlier in the night, and I know we're talking about earlier things, uh, Dusty Rhodes was involved in the situation with that dastardly brother love on yeah. the brother love show with Sapphire and, uh, and, and, uh, Queen, and, uh, Sister Queen Sherry, uh, Sensational Queen Sherry. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's so many Sherry nicknames, I can't handle it. Uh, <laughs> but, just seeing that and then seeing a little payoff with Dusty getting Randy Savage out of the Rumble, it's just you're building a little more story. And, and this is a great way to do it and what the Rumble should be for. And, and you, did you see DiBiase going through the, the mode of just becoming, trying to uh, institute uh, his endurance? So just a lot of little stories going on here. And again, a lot of things that, in my personal opinion, are missing from nowadays, especially with the Rumbles, in my opinion. Well, you know, one of the things that I brought up in a previous episode that I'm curious on your take on, how do you feel that the Rumble, because this is something I miss about older Royal Rumbles, that real is that every guy that's in there, John, is there. There's there's no like oh here's some guy from the 70s 
He comes in and he does a couple of things and then he gets eliminated because he's not sticking around. How do you feel about the surprises versus people that are there where you can actually build a lot of different wrestlers all up in one match? Man, you know what? Right now, and especially with the way wrestling and the Rumbles in particular, I look forward to Rumbles every year. You know, right now it's about the moment. It's Mm -hmm. not necessarily – it's just like about the surprise moment. They're doing show-to-show stuff, even in the Rumble. Like there's not really a lot of, per se – surprises true surprises that builds a story and i think the last one for me was probably aj styles you knew he was coming but you didn't know he was coming that early into the company so so in 2016 so overall right now the rumbles and it's like everybody's building to you know the crazy the the, everyone gets it's the same formula someone new comes in they hit the same things all the time there's no real story true story i can sink my teeth into Mm. you know in in a rumble match is how back in the day it used to be and recently i think it's like you know, the last time I could even think about there being a true story in a rumble was 2005. At least you had things building the WrestleMania 21, Michaels and Angle. You had, you know, just that that thing alone where Shawn Michaels took out Angle and Angle went berserk. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the, you look at the 90 rumble, and especially rumbles from, you know, the, 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 the beginning of this whole thing, there was little stories, little nuances, the little things with wrestling people involved, which really helped develop the story, which built to the next the next show, and I love that. The less is more with creativity, with the people involved with setting this thing up, and it's just it's it's so it's so different now than yeah. it was. You know, just I, I think the story you need to bring a little bit of a story back into the Rumble to make it feel important, and that's just just my opinion. That's what the '90 Rumble, you know, especially early on, you get a little bit just how different it is. It's story, right? And I think for me, it's a matter of like I I just. I think after all this time, I'm. It's got to be a really good or really surprising thing for me. But I think I'm over the whole. Of here's some here's a surprise. Here's like the boogeyman mm-hmm. coming in, because <laughs> it's the it was one thing when the Royal Rumble that was the time one time a year they did it. But especially like and I don't want to talk too much into the, this decade, but in this decade, like. There's returns, I would say, within four or five weeks, every four or five weeks. Like, it's not as special to me. Like, you know, it used to be Rumble was the only place. So I kind of wish they would go back to, or hope they go back to, like, maybe an 80s style where they could do multiple stories, like, you know, like John was kind of saying. You know, like, I guess I got one real, like, question for both you guys, and I just kind of want to ask this because just as a Royal Rumble kind of sort of like we all are. Um, I'm trying (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> now you know back in especially when it's like you know everything how you know rumble necessarily didn't mean if you won it you got a title shot like just the vibe of winning the royal rumble you have that on the marquee do you do you especially the first three rumbles do you feel like maybe with the way everything wwe is where the rumble might not necessarily mean as much when it comes to if you win you get a title do you feel like maybe with the first three rumbles like that could like like that like maybe that importance of a shocker to win it and it doesn't mean you automatically get a title shot. Do you feel like that's what's missing? You know, with the rumbles nowadays compared to the first few. No, because the first couple our winners didn't do shit. Right. Like we we who let's, who's our winners again, Bill? Let's try to remember this real quick. Duggan won the first one. And he was rewarded by not even getting a buy in the WrestleMania Four tournament. <laughs> and then last episode. Big John Stud was the winner. And he was rewarded by... Being the referee for the match between Andre the Giant <laughs> and Jake Roberts. 
So I think something needs to be in there for someone's way, because I don't trust, even back then, I wouldn't trust creative with, no, it does, it you know, it does mean something, even though you don't officially get to win anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I don't want to go too far ahead here, but I have a very vocal thing to say about that for the next episode for the 1991 Royal Rumble. Yeah. Uh, we, where someone was super smart and caught on. Mm-hmm. But I will say one thing about the 90 Rumble. I, anytime you get a Warlord appearance, uh, I, you know, especially pre-Phantom uh, of the Opera meets Terminator <laughs> Warlord, like, you, it's, it's a great time for all. I love the war. I, I, I've always been a fan of the Warlord for some weird reason. I've never understood why. But just seeing him in this thing with a sweet haircut at the time, just the Warlord being in, great television. Well, he lasted longer than two seconds this year. So. <laughs> he did. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, but you know, just it's just a very intriguing um six through ten and again little stories being built around Bret Hart, who, you know, obviously uh just a, more of a, a at this point, you know, the, the kind of caught between the tag team with yeah. the Hart Foundation situation and 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 you see like, you know, obviously Roddy Piper and Bad News Brown are in this thing right now. I'm not gonna go too far ahead, but just seeing them in, you know, just two wild guys brawling around and then obviously the American dream. So yeah. Hmm. I think we should have that clock here coming by anytime soon. I know we, yeah. this episode we're probably having a little bit of trouble with the clock, it seems like. Yeah. But can I tell you that I will say when you brought up, uh, Bill, the earlier results of the uh, of the Fabulous Rougeos versus the Bushwhackers from uh, from the Rumble 90, I love – I just – you know, it wasn't like the greatest catch-as-catch-can match like other oh, tag no. matches, but I just love – I love the Rougeau brothers. I think Jock and Raymond, Raymond Rougeau is like one of my personal favorites. Just, just great stuff. Just great opening tag. Just simple crowd building stuff. You know, get the crowd into it. I loved it. I thought it was just a fun match. The Bushwhackers are always great just to give the crowd a good time. Great way to start a pay-per-view. I mean, I'm just off of Butch and Luke's list performance. I'm very disappointed they weren't in in this particular rumble. (laughs) We listen back to the archives for all of that. (laughs) <laughs> All right, uh, the timer went. Oh, where did it get? We didn't even hear it. You guys talked over it. Sorry, we'll buddy. We'll make I'm, it louder. Make uh, it louder. Next all right, time. I'll make it louder. Uh, make it full blast. It should be interrupting us. It Go should. Ahead. Eleven through fifteen. Eleven. Andre the Giant. Twelve. The Red Rooster. Thirteen. Axe. Fourteen. Haku. And fifteen. Smash. Uh, all right. All right, in this section, I have eliminated the Warlord, sorry, John, uh, Bad News Brown, Rowdy Piper, and the Red Rooster. Uh, John, we're going to start with you with this discussion. Um, Again, a little more build for WrestleMania VI, and a feud that I didn't even know I wanted, but it started here with the Rowdy Piper-Bad News Brown uh, rivalry really starting to take fold here. Uh, Piper eliminates Bad News Brown. Bad News then pulls him out from the... Inside of the ring, outside, and that's the beginning of, okay, even if you're eliminated, you can still eliminate somebody from the battle, from the Royal Rumble stipulation. Mm-hmm. So that's a great thing. But the brawl to the back and just the, just the insanity between those two leading up the entranceway, um, you start to see and, and, and understand the build of Piper and Bad News Brown. And, you know, they're just two crazy guys that just want to beat the crap out of each other. And that that's the main thing I took away, just a continued build of WrestleMania six and just another match that they're building to or something inside the Royal Rumble. I had for that 
Shane can't stop a fight. <laughs> because if you notice, one of the referees is a very young Shane McMahon. And he tries to break this fight up, and he can't do shit. <laughs> so, so, I'm going to piggyback off what you guys are saying here, that Bad News was eliminated. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, Bad News eliminated Piper after being eliminated. Mm-hmm. Here we are, back at my evaluating eye. <laughs> what is this fair? I, I well, I mean, Piper went over the top rope, I guess. But but can you be eliminated by someone who has already been eliminated? Which I feel like even in the first two episodes, we have already had that question, right. and we've gotten an answer, and then they contradicted themselves. Mm-hmm. Oh man, it, it's so tough. It's tough to call because. You want to say it's illegal, especially if it's someone you like, like a Piper here. Mm-hmm. But the they never say that you can't be eliminated by someone who's been eliminated. It's just you if you go over the top and to the floor, you're gone. So did Gorilla Monsoon say something at some point in the la- one of the other two Rumbles? Do you remember that at all? And I was like, fine, if you do if you if you guys stick to that, that's funny. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I, yeah. I think he did say that in the last commentary's audio track of his match against Dusty at SummerSlam eighty nine. I did not. Mm. Well, I have to send it to you guys because it is brilliant. <laughs> and Honky's just talking, he's drunk as anything. And Honky's <laughs> talking about Dusty not selling a damn thing, and now he's got him he's 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 in a chin lock. The honky goes back to the chin lock, you prick. And also <laughs> he goes now look at him, he's trying to be Hogan. And you bring that up, and it kind of makes sense where Dusty's just trying to poke himself up. I agree 100%. Yeah, I mean, that's what, that's what I came out with. I also have down here, uh, sorry, John, but I hate demolitions, jumping punches. And then I also have Andre is tied up in the ropes. What a shock. Andre loved it. Oh, man. But... I, of course he loved it. I don't know if there's a match that he goes through without doing that. Right. <laughs> Gives him a breather. Uh, but, but yeah, you know, it's just just a little thing. And just DiBiase, again, consistently showing that he is – he's showing that he's the Iron Man, overcoming Jake the Snake earlier on, and now he's just trying to fight to survive. Can he be the first guy to go from first to 30? Mm-hmm. And a little story that's never even been told yet that wasn't even described in the match is no, DiBiase surviving. Yeah. I have, we talk about, oh, sorry, go ahead, Bill. No, I was going to say, I have one funny note here. Uh, when Warlord gets eliminated by Andre, Mr. Fuji gets on the apron to try to go after Andre, and Heenan <laughs> pulls him down, and Fuji threatens him. And I have in my note, Fuji versus Heenan? Could this be a WrestleMania six match? <laughs> I have that written down, too, Heenan oh. versus Fuji. I'll give you a little note here. Go on YouTube and type in MSG House Show from like the summer of ninety one. Oh, no. <laughs> and there is there is a two show MSG storyline with Fuji against Bobby the Brain. It is it's fantastic. You gotta like it you just gotta see it. I'll tell you guys all fairly, you gotta watch it. It's fantastic. I've seen what Fuji is their reasoning? I've seen what? the promos for because it too. 
<laughs> because uh, basically uh, the house show storyline was uh, Heenan was doing commentary, so Barbarian needed a manager. He hired Fuji to do it. Fuji screwed up, cost uh, Barbarian the Intercontinental uh, the, the match against Brett. Heenan and uh, Heenan and Barbarian are mad at Fuji. They lead to the next show where it's Fuji and and Kato against Haku and Barbarian. And Fuji gets cost the match by Heenan. It is just tremendous. And it's 91 summer. And it's just MSG house shows. Nothing better than that. Just good wow. little story. It's fantastic. I didn't know it, about any of this. And Heenan got the salt, Jim Boy. Heenan got the salt. Yeah. Oh, he did. Wow. At the desk, and Gorilla's laughing at him. It's great. Joe, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so what else do you have to add for this? Um... Or do you want to go and try to continue talking about the rest of the show? Let, let's let's talk about the rest of the show. Yeah. Um, so like like we said earlier, Bushwhackers defeated the Rougeos. Yay! Brutus Beefcake and the Genius went to a double disqualification. So it went to a no contest. I'm not. I I can't figure out what Beefcake did to get himself disqualified. Uh, Ronnie Garvin defeated Greg Valentine in a submission match. Oh, great match. Oh, I love that match. Oh, my gosh. Great match. Uh, we did have the Brother Love show. And Jim Duggan defeated the Big Boss Man by disqualification. Oh, that'd be Corporate Boss Man for right, those right. watching <laughs> on the DVD. <laughs> uh, you know what? I have to say, if that, is that the last one, Duggan? And, uh, yeah, that was the last for, one before the Rumble. I gotta be honest with you. I think out of the three, that might be the weakest undercard compared to '88 and '89. Um, I'd say '89 might be a little weaker. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because '88, if nothing else, it had the incredible jumping bomb angels versus glamour girls tag match. <laughs> Unbelievable! Really I love that match. That's a really good match. And in '89, like you do have the two out of three falls match, which is good. Which I didn't even watch because for some reason that headlined over the Royal Rumble. <laughs> and then, and then you have the women's title match. No disrespect to Rock and Robin or Judy Martin, but that just wasn't a good match. And then Haku and Harley Race is two heels fighting to be king. That's right, because the whole king discussion and mm-hmm. you can't have two kings. Right. Yeah, but if you look at, if you look at the 90 thing, Bill, uh, you know, obviously the genius, the genius and uh, Brutus, the barber, you know, it, it led to Mr. Perfect and Brutus, the barber at WrestleMania six. It sure so did. It, and it just excited just how beefcake. I mean, apparently you no know, gutting the genius's hair and just, 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 you know, just little things like that. And Mr. Perfect, Mr. Perfect beating the hell out of uh, mm-hmm. Beefcake for his manager. It's just fantastic stuff, and it just kept building. And, and honestly, you know. Oh, yeah, if- and Perfect has that line in his promo where it's like, Beefcake, hair grows back, but your ribs might never grow. <laughs> That's a great That's oh, a Mr. great line. I believe at any moment here we should have the clock for the next thing although like you said the clock has kind of been not working on this one maybe they're there there we go there's supposed to be a 10 9 8 7 6 yeah something is wrong on uh, YouTube's end or my I keep turning it up folks but just play it on the phone yeah I'll just do it on my Okay. All right, let's the next batch. Uh, 16 through 20. 16 is Akeem. 17 is Jimmy Snuka. 
18, Dino Bravo, 19, The Canadian Earthquake, and 20, Jim Nyhart. And I have, during this segment, eliminated is Andre the Giant, uh, Bret Hart, Akeem, uh, Bad Handwriting's coming to play, um, Axe, Earthquake, I feel like I'm missing Just someone. Rhodes, that's what that says. Bad, bad handwriting. Bad handwriting also eliminated in this segment. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, I feel like this cl- our clock is trying to eliminate John Harder. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it hasn't oh, worked man. all this this episode. And there's <laughs> one major difference that's here that's not on the clock side. Yeah. Oh, shenanigans. <laughs> yeah. John, what do you think of this segment? Um, I love the absolute fact uh, of the beginning of the build for Canadian the Canadian earthquake. Uh, just just how it took everybody to eliminate Earthquake. And especially in those days, kind of like the vibe how made him feel as monster like Andre, how everybody would try to eliminate Andre. And you get this vibe with the Canadian Earthquake where they're looking to start the build for his incredible monster run uh, throughout 1990. And this is just an example of protecting him any way possible. And I always was a big fan of Earthquake and just the streamlining of his character over the years to becoming simply earthquake and just the build for him versus hulk hogan uh not necessarily in this match but just right. as a character just fantastic stuff uh i loved it um obviously andre getting eliminated by axe and smash of demolition there you go and akeem the african dream oh, he has really fallen from grace this here. was the disappointment right here because the the previous two not to cut you off john no, no problem I, Akeem, when he was one-man gang, was the runner-up in the first one. The year before, or last year, he was the next to the last guy eliminated. Here, he's like the 10th or 11th person eliminated. And he didn't even last that long, too. He lasted like two minutes. I actually did not know until this match that Earthquake was Canadian. Yes. I don't know why. I had no idea, and I was like, then I saw a maple leaf on his outfit. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. A little flag on Big Man. That's my note for that. <laughs> but I did, you know, the uh, earthquake born in Vancouver, British Columbia, and he was a Canadian sumo wrestler. And uh, John Tenta was big in Japan as a sumo, and he got brought over to the WWF, and he trained to be a wrestler for a little bit, and just caught on right away in WWF in '89, and. Ever since then, he you know he's just he just became a force to be reckoned with, and he was Canadian, true form you know not you know Montreal Quebec Canadian like Mr. Dino Bravo, uh, world's strongest man, but Canadian nonetheless. Interesting, because now I've learned something else new. I was not aware that they had sumo competitions in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I'm just learning a whole lot you, today, guys. You sure are. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I have. The, I've, I you kind of took my notes away here about Earthquake, which is fine. I don't. I didn't really have that much for this section. Do you guys have anything additional I, to this? I I do actually. Um, when Andre gets eliminated, and it's like leading up to the elimination, Jesse's like. Oh, it's going to take five, six, seven guys to eliminate him. <laughs> and it only took two. And then my my other thing, well, actually, there's another interesting thing, and I want to see if you guys caught this. Mr. Fuji 
is still at ringside. <laughs> long after the Warlord has been eliminated. He never left. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out why is he still there. That's a... I, I didn't catch that, but there's that happens again, I think, in the next section. Mm-hmm. And I caught that one. Yeah. But now I'm glad that apparently... That person's not the only one I questioned it for. Right. So I guess we're playing Lucy Goosey with the managers now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with Earthquake, because you know we you were talking about Earthquake John and how you know his performance was. I question why did he go out so quick? He eliminates two guys right off the bat, and then as soon as he does that. He's out. He's eliminated. I never, I couldn't figure that out. I think, I, I think with the situation, obviously what's going to go on later on in the Rumble, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you would have kept him, and it, he only lasted uh, two minutes and 31 seconds, you know, and, but, and seeing everybody eliminate him made him look strong because it's like not one, you know, kind of like what Jesse was trying to build earlier with Andre. Right. But I think with, I think with, you know, if they kept him in any longer, it would have been a problem. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with, uh, you know, you still had a couple of big players coming in later into the match right. where if you didn't do that, you would have had to do something else and it would have creatively it would have been a snafu. I but, guess. you know, yeah, you know, and it's it's frustrating because the earthquake looked very strong and then everybody eliminated him. He was out quick. So it is interesting. I 100 percent agree with you that, Bill. That, it, it's a very interesting. I would have had him in a little earlier, to tell you the truth, mm-hmm. if we we're going to do something like mm-hmm. that, you know. And then I had one other note. I think Bobby Heenan has become an instigator at this point in time because he's now arguing with Jimmy Hart over at the <laughs> corner of the ring because Earthquake, I think, was fighting Haku, and Heenan and Jimmy Hart are going at each other. And I have in my notes, Jimmy versus Heenan. <laughs> so basically, Bobby Heenan at this point wants to fight all the managers. This they're gonna have their own. They're gonna have their own division. Yeah, they're gonna have their own Royal Rumble. <laughs> what? I don't. I know they don't do this, but I do think it would be a kind of creative. One of the reasons they they don't do this is because no managers, as you mentioned, apparently are getting kicked out, even though they don't have a representative in there. Mm-hmm. But let's say they did have someone that just got eliminated, and they'd have to go to the back. What if they sign someone right there? <laughs> like, no, now I can, I can stay here now. Yes. You can't do anything to me. Yes. <laughs> like they're like, Axe, I see a real future for you. <laughs> oh my god, that would be the that would be the greatest thing to ever happen. <laughs> yeah, I guess that if they, unfortunately, they're not really. That would be something if they were really trying to, you know, do the managers, like, you got to go to the back now. You got to go to the back. Yeah. They're not really doing that. I mean, that's what I would try doing if it was me. Oh so God. how many managers has he been fought with? What's the count at? All right, he's fought with Fuji, and he's fought with Hart. Okay. Um, he's probably still under DiBiase's bankroll, so okay. he's not going to fight Virgil. Plus, Virgil's an actual competitor. Yeah. Or was he at this time? At this point, he's still he's still the bodyguard. Yeah, but is he does he wrestle matches at this point? Uh, every once in a while, every once in a while he does. Um, 
Slick, you know, he and Slick are tight because I think Slick <laughs> is a, I think Slick is an undercover bro- other, yeah, undercover brother. Yeah. Or Bobby Heenan is, I mean. Oh, absolutely. Heenan and Slick, they always made shady dealings. I think Heenan, Heenan just paid off Slick to get what he wanted sometimes. He's just a sneaky bastard, Bobby the Brain, and Slick. They always two peas in a pod. Always. I, I think I think if they were giving out honorary black cards, Bobby Heenan would have given an honorary <laughs> black card. Oh, my goodness. I... <laughs> am I not right or am I not right? Where's this clock? <laughs> we got a minute left. <laughs> we got a minute uh, left. Okay, let's get on to that. Well, one other thing I was just thinking of, it's kind of like a reverse of what I, uh, what my manager idea was. DiBiase, if he needs help, why doesn't he pay someone to be his manager? There you go. Well, I mean, Virgil did get involved. Like, there's one shot where Virgil is pushing DiBiase back in. Like, that and there and Tony's like, oh well, there's one of the reasons why DiBiase's been in so long. Like no one else had that help though, exactly. or had, could have had that help. Nobody that's, else. But that's the difference between being a manager and being a paid hired bodyguard. Exactly. And, yeah, exactly. Hey, it was a big deal last year. He was the only one that was allowed to stay out there because of that well, he was terminology. Like, well, he was number thirty-one. Remember? Oh, I'm sorry. That's right. Yes, he was number thirty-one. <laughs> Excuse me. So, you know. The first number 31. All right, we got the timer going. Even though we can't hear it. Okay. I know. Well, hopefully folks will have that fixed for the next episode. Oh, boy. Now it's just going right in your ear. Oh, sorry about that. (laughs) Uh, All right, let's get to 21 through 25. 21, The Ultimate Warrior. 22, Rick Martel. 23, Tito Santana, 24, The Honky Tonk Man, and 25, Hulk Hogan. And I have, during this segment, eliminated, included, Dino Bravo, Smash, Jim Neidhart, Ted DiBiase, Jimmy Snuka, Haku, and Tito Santana. And I also have the announcers push not to, not to the floor, meaning, the, mean, meaning like, as they're getting ready to throw out, they keep saying, well, these. He's not. He's not at the. He didn't hit the floor. Mm-hmm. They're pushing that a lot right now. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. I have to ask this question. All right, brother. All right, brother. Because Bravo got eliminated in this part. How freaking fast did Jimmy Hart change outfits for Honky Tonk Man? To come <laughs> uh, probably at least thirty seconds. He's got it down. Oh my God, he does! Because he's got like the, he's got the French Canadian uh, symbol on his coat. If I don't remember it, so I apologize to our French listeners or Canadian <laughs> listeners. And then within like a few minutes, he comes out. Here's Honky Tonk Man, and he's got black pants, black jacket on, black shirt. He just is quick. <laughs> very you know, very I- quick. You know, just I think Jimmy Hart actually kind of got lazy by WrestleMania 8 where he just got a custom jacket with everybody's name on it and just got a little <laughs> lazy at that point. So, so you know, but that's the thing about Jimmy Hart. He got he got everybody um he got everybody uh in, involved with the jacket just changing his gear quickly, ran out, ran to the locker room. Yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. And he went and changed. <laughs> and that's what Jimmy Hart did and it just it, it's fantastic. It, it really, it really is. And by the way, the uh, 
that 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 uh, symbol of Quebec is actually called a fleur de lis. Ah, thank you. See, I wouldn't I wouldn't have known. I just had, Google has saved me once again. So, <laughs> <laughs> but if you look into this time period, also with Ted DiBiase finally getting eliminated, DiBiase lasting a grand total of 44 minutes and 47 seconds, only two eliminations from the very beginning. Uh, it took the Ultimate Warrior to eliminate mm-hmm. Ted DiBiase by himself, and it showcases that DiBiase was still a threat, yep. and the Warrior, being fresh as a daisy, used all of his strength and power to get him out with a simple clothesline, um, and it really just builds the mystique of the Warrior being the only guy to eliminate the Million Dollar Man. And right now, at this point, you see the ring starting to get cleared because you know what's coming next. Yep. And uh, and I, honestly, you know, I, I really thought it was fantastic. A little bit of uh, every time you see Rick Martel and Tito Santana in the same match, it doesn't matter how long it's gone by. There's always a little bit of heat between the former Strike Force members, always and forever. So uh, DiBiase and Martel, not DiBiase, Santana and Martel getting into it. And, you know, just it just you just see a lot of things happening at this point. Just the ring starting to get cleared because a major moment. A major point that they want the fans to remember is happening now. I actually wrote, mm-hmm. Tito, get over it. Just please get <laughs> how, over it. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he didn't even come to help. One of them, I forget which one it was now. One of them didn't even come to help in the first Royal Rumble, even though they weren't even the only ones in that building. That's so I would right. never give them for that. Oh my god, that's right. <laughs> Why don't you give people a recap for those that might not have heard episode one? Okay, so in episode one, uh, Tito Santana is the second person in the Rumble. And Vince, like, during the time Santana's there, he's like, Oh, I hope Rick Martel's coming. I hope he's coming. Martel never showed up. <laughs> not even fucking there. Nope. Not even in the building. Nope. So I, I would never forgive him. So you say. Get over it. I say no. Never, for, never forget. That's what I say. Um, the uh, what was the, I was gonna, I had something in mind, but then you threw me off by your nonchalant like they should get over it. Strike force nonsense. John, help me out. What else do you have for this segment while I try to remember what I was going to say? Well, I think we're starting to see the beginning and the end of phasing out of something very important. Uh, The Hulk Hogan going from the simple headband look to cover the long, balding hair that he has to the bandana. (laughs) Uh, Personally, you know, this is probably the second to last pay-per-view where you see the headband and it started bandana look. Um, I want to take your guys' opinion on this quickly. What do you prefer more? Headband Hogan or Bandana Hogan? Or, if you want to go back to 88, the weird helmet with the fist on it, Hogan. Okay, first off, <laughs> F, the head, F the motorcycle helmet, Hogan. F that shit. Uh, I, ooh, I don't know. Because I feel like with the headband, it just came off one of his shirts to me. <laughs> but the bandana was really cool looking. So I'm going to say the bandana. Why do you care that the headband sounds feels like it came off of one of his shirts? Well, it looks like like when you see the when you see the bandana or the headband, it looks like he cut it off one of his shirts and he just took it and he tied it on his head and that's where he got it from. So you're basically getting like a tenth of a shirt of Hulk Hogan. <laughs> okay. 
Um, I'll just say Bad Dad. I'll be easy. Uh, there's no real reason to it. I think it's the best one, I guess. This suits him more. Plus, it hides his hair extensions now that he has in the back of his head in 2018. So, oh, oh boo. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't boom. I just went. Uh, I booed myself. Uh, that was total heel. But, <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I just find it entertaining. Just some little things you look back now and realize, man, that didn't age too well. Mm-hmm. But, but other than that, um, I'm just I'm loving the Rumble at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, going back and watch. I just, you know, just it just has an automatic. We're not even we're not even almost done. We're almost done, and it just feels like this is a great Rumble, and it's yeah. very underrated. I, I still think it's a very underrated 90 Rumble. I think it's very underrated. And the weird thing for me is that the, these all the way up until 93, I don't. I, if I saw it, I was very young and don't remember it, but I didn't remember any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, I remember you know certain things that they might play in the highlight footage, like a you know um, Hogan Warrior in the Rumble, or you know last year it was uh, Hogan Savage. You know, I might see stuff with that, but I don't remember much else. So it's nice to actually watch it and feel like I'm watching this for the first time. I mean, I would never have guessed that Bushwhacker Butch would be the best thing of last year's Rumble, <laughs> if you want to listen back to that uh, from last week. So I don't, I'm, really, I'm really enjoying rediscovering these, to be honest with you. I will um, say, when Hogan does come out, and this is what I wrote, he got a nuclear bomb size ovation like that crowd was so loud oh it was absolutely i mean it's like holy shit you know this is how huge hogan is over because it's still you know like it is 1990 but you're still like somewhat still in the 80s in a way if you think about it yeah, it, it, it's really it's really the beginning of you know the end of the rock and wrestling era from the mid '80s to, to WrestleMania six. You're almost at that point where you get that big era ending. But Hogan's still a massive rock star, mm-hmm. and to be fair, also in Orlando and Miami with like that area. And it's something I've noticed over the years. Orlando and Miami, Orlando in particular, always is a very hot, lively crowd for wrestling. And just hearing the thing in the, in the Orlando arena, uh, just massive crowd reactions the fans are just happy they're craving wrestling yeah. and just seeing that just very 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 great to see for orlando i i do want to ask you guys one one quick question mm-hmm. and it, it's it still relates to hogan um john doesn't you, everything relate to i hogan. know it does john you might have an answer jim i know you're gonna say no to this but okay do either one did either one of you get the unreleased matches DVD that came out last year. Last year, I did not. There was another one of Hogan that was unreleased. No, no, it's a it's a series of unreleased matches. No, I didn't get that. Okay. I didn't buy that. No. Okay. There is a match on that DVD. It's the Rockers versus the Powers of Pain, and it's in Miami. And the Rockers are getting their butts kicked. And all of a sudden, for no reason, Hulk Hogan comes out to save the Rockers. Our savior. Our savior, Hulk Hogan. He helps, the, the, like, thwart the powers of pain. Ooh, the powers of pain. I'm literally taking a note right now on this just to make sure I remember this. I'm actually going to go out and look for this. 
Rocker's Powers of Pain, uh, 91. What year was this? 1990. Oh, my goodness. I'm writing this down. Yep. It, Miami, 1990. Yep. <laughs> There's a timer. Yep, there was the timer, and now we're into our last five. 26, Shawn Michaels. 27, The Barbarian. 28, Rick Rude. 29, Mr. Promo himself, Hercules. And number 30, Mr. Perfect. All right, and I have during this segment, uh, as we make our way towards the last four, uh, Honky Tonk Man eliminated, Shawn Michaels... Martell, Warrior, and Barbarian. I have a good amount to say about this section, so I'm going to go first. I love Shawn Michaels' short time. I wrote poor Shawn. <laughs> I'm letting, I, it brought me back to, like, Triple H versus the Ultimate Warrior at WrestleMania 12. Some good times there. <laughs> it comes down to Hogan and Warrior. Oh, this is and this, this is the one that I notice. Hogan versus Warrior... Why is Heenan still out yes! there? Yes. <laughs> oh my goodness, it's it, it, it's it's mind-boggling on why. And then, you know, only thing I could think of is he's waiting four extra minutes for Rick Rude to come out. But but in all honesty, there's no reason he should have ran to the back, or maybe he's just looking for the big turn. Where you know, I don't I don't know, but <laughs> no sense, no sense. <laughs> well, also, if, if I'm not mistaken here, the Barbarian comes out. Like when Hogan and Warrior knock each other out, mm-hmm. Barbarian comes out. Yeah. So it's not like Rick Rude was the next one. Then Rick Rude comes out, and of course he comes out early. Oh my god, so early. Like, it was way before the clock even ran. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know of too many people that come out early. Unless you're Nikolai Volkov. <laughs> From, oh no! From 1988. <laughs> Poor Nikolai. He 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 was a jolly fellow. Oh my goodness! I still don't know why that even happened, but okay. <laughs> we had our theories, so yeah, we had our theories. We should listen back in episode one. What do you think about this whole Warrior Hogan thing? Were you guys into this again? This I wasn't really watching pro wrestling at this time, so let me hear from both of you. I'll start this one. Yeah, I I absolutely loved it because it was it was something different, and it wasn't like you know the standard oh someone's gonna be an automatic bad guy type thing. And as a kid, you look at it, you go wow, your two favorite superheroes standing in the ring face by face, uh, side by side, you know about to go off and fight each other one time. You got the and the fans react automatically. Tony Schiavone and Jesse Ventura was absolutely brilliant. Mm-hmm. During this whole back and forth, and just uh, both guys are being treated as equal, and especially at this point, nobody, especially as a good guy, was on the same level as Hulk Hogan as the Ultimate Warrior was treated at this moment. And seeing both guys crisscross, going back and forth, and Shivani going, "Look at this! Look at this!" and just and just seeing, "Whoa! Nobody moved!" and just seeing, you know, just hearing the commentary, and it was a gorilla. No. Which is, like, again, which is like you would expect Gorilla and Jesse on this. No, this is Tony Schiavone and Jesse the Body Ventura handling this massive moment. They built it perfectly. The crowd reacted magnificently. And just seeing these two monster muscle superhero types going back and forth and then taking the double tackle down, ducking a line, hitting each other with a clothesline. Unbelievable. I think that this moment, obviously you knew this was going to WrestleMania six. And this was just massive and the beginning of the end 
for the rock and wrestling era and just the beginning of the changing of the guard. You get the vibe. And if you look really back, if you want, if you, if you want to go subliminally and just watch back as a fan going back as an adult seeing it, the seeds were being planted as far back as SummerSlam 88 and building and building to this moment. And, the, and you might not have known it at the time, but subliminally, this was where it was going, and it was absolutely brilliant, this whole segment, because you got the vibe that something special was happening. You know what? I'll, I'll give you another example um, of where you can notice the change is coming. Survivor Series 89. Warrior had the last match of that pay-per-view. Yep. Hogan was the match before the intermission, and he had the big feud with Zeus, like we mentioned in the beginning. So, you could tell there was change coming. I agree with that. Um, oh, that's Polly Hogan now talking about it. No. Brother, brother, good job on the talking about it. <laughs> no, um, but, okay, I do want to also bring up when Warrior gets eliminated. Because, obviously, Barbarian and Rude are trying to eliminate him. Mm-hmm. And then Hogan comes in to do the double clothesline. And Warrior is out. And Jesse's like, there, you see it? Hogan eliminated Warrior. He eliminated him. And then Warrior comes back to the ring. And there's like this three-minute discussion of Jesse having his side of Hogan (laughs) eliminated the Warrior on purpose when Warrior had saved Hogan. And Tony is like, do you really think he did that on purpose? Yes, I do. You really think so? Yes, I do. Uh, that's, Jess, that's Jesse, though. Jesse, especially on commentary, was always against Hogan, always thinking Hogan was the problem in every situation. And that's just Jesse being Jesse, and it's great. It, it, it's mm-hmm. great, the little intrigue. Did Hogan, and, and always, you know, the one thing I will always say about the WWE, and they never, ever pulled the trigger, because I don't think they ever would have, anyway was throughout the years, and especially years after, you know, Hogan was basically, at certain points, he was wrestling as a heel, but he was a monster babyface, mm-hmm. doing all these cheating things, choking with the tape, eye-raking, you know, just right. doing, and even, like, going into, like, 93, when when he came back and won the title of WrestleMania 9, you know, if you if you really look and watch some of those promos, like, building the King of the Ring with Yokozuna, when everyone thought... You're building a Brett versus Hogan at SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. Hogan was acting a little Hollywood Hogan-ish in, in his promos because he was just – you got a different vibe from Hogan. It's just I always feel like they wanted to push the envelope and see how far they can take it, but they never had the guts to pull the trigger, and maybe the intrigue, maybe the intrigue was there. You know, just little things like that, little character things. But, you know, Jesse, bottom line, long story short, because I like to get long-winded sometimes, Bill. Yes, <laughs> Jesse was brilliant building that whole thing up. Oh, God, yeah. This and, was and who, Jesse at his best. And who could forget the whole Kogan temper tantrum from last year? Oh, yes! <laughs> yes! <laughs> it's a it's a greatest hits of Hulk Hogan moments. Temper tantrums. By the, way, do you, by the way, Bill, so, yeah, you know how they're calling out Hogan for eliminating Warrior here? think i would count it as a hogan elimination i wouldn't have because what he does is he just touches um the other two but not actually warrior it's not like when he eliminated bush when he needed help to eliminate bushwhacker luke last year (laughs) where he touches luke only a little bit but it's enough where bad news and hogan successfully team up and eliminate 
Bushwhacker Luke. So what Jim is saying here is he had a harder time eliminating Bushwhacker Luke than he would 100%. have with the Ultimate Warrior if he had the chance. 100%. Well, Luke <laughs> wanted some of Hogan, so I don't know. Uh, all right, let's... Uh, does, did you guys have any notes before we go to the final four here and then go forward from there? I just had... Uh, uh, you go, go. All right, Sorry I about just that. had one when Mr. Sure. Perfect comes out. Why are you running? You have the best spot. You don't need to run. Yeah. Uh, John, what about your note? Uh, I just I just love, you know, again, I love Hercules, and I, I think the baby blue trunk Hercules was just so aloof. And Bill, uh, you built it up earlier with his great promo earlier. Hercules is Hercules. I just love seeing Big Herc just doing whatever he's got to do. It's just, it's just funny as hell to me, Hercules. <laughs> uh, so we had the final four would be Hogan, Perfect, Rude, and Hercules. One of these things is not like the other. One of these things just doesn't belong. Yeah, Mr. Perfect. He doesn't have a mustache. Oh! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> The best is the best is I'm looking as Bill's doing it. I'm looking at like I know where he's going, but I want I want to find something that's the same. Son of a bitch! See, Bill, we all had it in for you. <laughs> Thank you, John, because I was I didn't think I wasn't clever enough to think of something before that. So Rude eliminates Hercules, and then Rude gets eliminated. So it comes down to Hogan and Perfect. Mm-hmm. And Perfect does the Perfect Plex, which leads into Hulk hulking up. And guess what? Hogan wins. <laughs> and here's what I didn't understand. Jesse Ventura yells out, he doesn't believe that Hogan won. What? Are you ki- Have you watched, like, your own programming for, like, the last two or three years? Also... Also, it's not like Hogan drew number 10 and he had this big struggle. No, he drew number, what was it? 25. 25 against Mr. And, and even if it was like the number 30 was, let's say, uh, Andre the Giant. Okay, I see where you're like, there's a struggle. How do you not believe it? <laughs> So mad. All right, before we wrap this up, what do you guys think of the winner? And anything else? You know, I I always heard the rumor, and again, I I don't know if it's actually been true, but the big rumor was Mr. Perfect was supposed to win the Rumble, and then Hogan pulled the whole, that doesn't work for me, brother card. And I don't know how true it is, because, you know, it's just, it's it's very weird. The whole rumor was, one of the big rumors were it was supposed to be, Hulk Hogan versus Mr. Perfect at WrestleMania 6 and Saturday Night's Main Event. You're building towards that way. Uh, you know, with uh, the Lanny Pop, the, him destroying the title and all that stuff. And it never really formulated to the way. And, and besides the Rumble, it never really had a proper closure, in my opinion. So it was it was very it was very weird to me for Hulk Hogan to win the Rumble here. But you got to understand, Hogan, you know, obviously probably the obvious choice. And if you heard enough of something to wrestle with with Bruce Pritchard, um, there's always a three-word um, phrase that he likes to use as it comes to Hogan at the end of certain shows. Hogan must pose. Yep. So so I think in this situation you had to go with that route. But obviously the direction was clear. You're going Hogan Warrior, WrestleMania six, building up the Sky Dome for the first international WrestleMania. And you needed a big thing to do it. And Hogan needed to win the Rumble here. And you're on the road to WrestleMania six, and um, not the biggest fan of Hogan winning it here, but 
I think directions, you had to go with something simple to do it, and it kind of made sense in a way. But it would have been great to see Mr. Perfect win it too, just keep the perfect record. I'm going to say right now, and I don't know if the rumor's been addressed, but I don't think I buy that rumor completely. Maybe some aspects of it. I don't think Hogan said that. It doesn't work for me, brother. Because, (laughs) because, Because Hogan has to know that the winner of the Royal Rumble doesn't get shit. Yeah. It's been established after the last two years. What I think might have happened is they are like, well, we got to do something with this rumble. And then, spoiler alert, next year Hogan wins. Let's give him that, where he's a back-to-back winner. That's what I kind of think it is more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll give you the big I'll give you the big one that uh, kind of kind of really made things different. There was always rumblings and rumors, especially up in Toronto. Because this is how, you know, far back you want to go here. Earthquake? Uh, no, even better. You know, Vancouver and Toronto, they're not that close, but they're so, so similar. Uh, <laughs> um, there's always been a big rumor that Jack Tunney leaked the rest of the originally. That's why I wrote the whole Mr. Perfect Hulk Hogan thing, because Jack Tunney was the Canadian promoter and the Canadian president of the World Wrestling Federation up in Canada. The big rumor was that Jack Tunney went on the radio in Toronto and kind of leaked out the WrestleMania six main event. Oh. You know, a month or so prior, which was supposed to be Mr. Perfect and Hogan, even though my dream was always Hogan and Zeus. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'm sorry. You, I, I love know, Zeus. Do you know how sad I am that this whole podcast is going to go and I won't even be able to talk about Zeus? <laughs> <laughs> know how I feel. Feel my pain. Oh, man. I, I, I definitely feel it, Jim Boy. But <laughs> but just seeing just seeing how, how you know, everything. That rumor is true. And, and, and they wouldn't be out there if it wasn't. If there wasn't any talk of that, you know, just honestly, that's just maybe it did foreshadow something. They had to make a change, and that's what happened here. But honestly, you know, again, rumors are rumors. You don't really know unless you know. And I think Hogan winning here, it just made sense for this occasion, ultimately, and it just fit. So So, uh, I'm I'm just a conspiracy theorist. So instead of the ultimate challenge, we could have had the perfect challenge. Oh, man. Undefeated streak versus championship. Oh, awesome. (laughs) Um, I I just want to say... I'm actually fine with Hogan winning it because of what happens at WrestleMania. Um, but one one other note that I want to add, and I did a little research because I thought I remembered reading this years ago. This match ended up as the third runner-up in Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Match of the Year for oh, wow, 1990. Okay. This was the third runner-up. The winner was Hogan and Warrior from WrestleMania six, but the fact that this rumble was recognized by that magazine as one of the four best matches of that year. Says something. Hmm. All right. All right. I think we're gonna get to some final plugs here. So, John, why don't you start us off here? Well, first, I want to thank you guys for allowing me to come on and do the '90 Rumble. This was a lot of fun, and uh, I really appreciate you guys letting me on here to do this. Um, honestly, at this point, I, I'm really I only got two real plugs. Uh, follow me on Twitter. At the John Harder, T H E J O N H A R D E R, and uh, HardwayHQ.com. I'm going to be doing a lot of uh, updates going forward with the blogs. I'm going to be writing more blogs. Looking to slowly start getting back into podcasting. Uh, I've taken some time away. Project Diverge took a lot out of me. Uh, and stay tuned to HardwayHQ for talk on uh, Project Diverge, um, a one night tournament to determine the winner of the New Wave Cup. It's going to be coming out sooner rather than later. So stay tuned to that. 
Uh, and again, thank you guys very much, Jim Boy. It's been a long time. Bill, it's yeah. been great talking to you. So, uh, did, did I tell you, Jim Boy, that uh, and this is something I just want to sure. say quickly. So, you remember 2008? Like, I remember you were doing your heavy with uh, a lot more wrestling, and you were coming around Ace more. I found um, an, a preview build-up show to Ace Anarchy 2008, an audio version that I recorded, <laughs> okay. and I had it set for you. And like, I, I just think it didn't come through or or whatnot. But I found it and I uploaded it ten years later. Oh my and god. My my god. Like what a different world this was, you know. Just, <laughs> just you know, from the audio and I didn't even know what a podcast was and like you know, really did like, it. Yeah. 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 So but I, I've always wanted to say thank you because I think you're one of the main reasons why I started internet radio and podcast. Oh, thank you. So I wanted to personally thank you. And uh just you you're one of the good ones, man. I'm happy we were able to do this today. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to we'd love to have you on again for this or something else, you know, in case of what's going on? You know, I'll talk to you more about that Absolutely. afterwards. But um, as far as I go, that's podcasting.com. Yes, I'm still doing the now. That's what I call podcasting show about now. That's what I call music. I'm gonna be doing it till I'm 70 years old, and because <laughs> they keep releasing new ones. Uh, I don't know. I think right now we have a couple of those young knockout kids episodes, which is about. Um, episodes of bonus tracks on the Now Music series. Uh, and, yeah, just that's podcasting.com. Bill, let's get some final plugs from you and then head us out of here. All right. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at House of Bill. You guys can check out my podcast, That Wrestling Show, each and every Friday. Uh, we talk about stuff going on currently in the world of wrestling. And every once in a while, I like to sneak a little throwback review maybe a tv show maybe history who knows uh and please check out my patreon page patreon.com backslash bill's world of podcasts so the next time we are on we are going to talk about the 1991 royal rumble so it stays in florida for another episode thank you guys for listening to this week's episode and the 1990 Royal Rumble has been eliminated.